When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Baby, hey! rarity a uh, ham work day on a friday you know but i I would say this for the large percentage of the year a friday for us is really like a weekend day you know because we work on sundays so it's true i i would say that i uh i had that thought today it's like why do i feel like i'm i'm working on an off day and then i heard elon i was listening to he went on with the, the, the nelk boys on the full send podcast yeah he talks about like working Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Not like he's bragging or anything, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm here usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday at this plant." And you just realize like the hymns, the Belichicks. It's not you don't count days at the highest level. You know, this is Friday, Tuesday, game day. You, you tell me when something's happening, and we'll fucking prep to record. You, when you say you don't count days at the highest level, it's like you don't count. You don't know the days at the boss level, right? There's no like. Well, I know Tuesdays my boss calls a meeting, right? When you're the boss, you don't need to know what day it is. Whatever day you say it is, it is. If you say it's a work day and you call somebody at 8 a.m. because you need something, you need it today. I think that's part of it. At the highest level, you don't have to – everyone else keeps a calendar based on what you say. Right? Exactly. And you, in football, the head coach creates the calendar – Someone creates it all, but then he has to be told about the calendar he created, <laughs> right? It's like, well, you're the one that set the schedule for the next two months, but you're just so in the zone, right? Like everything the 49ers are doing is Kyle's idea mixed with other people. But I bet by this point in time, a couple weeks into training camp, if you just ask Kyle, unless it was something related to his kid, like our family, he might just know, yeah, this is the eighth day, like th- whether this is Friday, whether it's Wednesday, or whether it's Saturday, he just knew this was a padded practice. They have two more days till they get an off day, right? It's not like the day of the week. I mean, there's a decent chance beside the bye week on a couple days, Kyle Shanahan won't have an off day since, you know, three weeks before us or where we're sitting right now till hopefully as long as they go, right? He's going into the office every single right. day. Again, a couple days maybe on the bye week. But even then, maybe Saturday and Sunday of that week, I'd be a little surprised if it's like, Tuesday, Kyle's just on the playing pebble. Pool day. (laughs) Kyle loves to take Tuesdays by the pool. Coaches, too, like they're the ones that make the schedule, but then they love giving the off day, the random. Like, did they, they, you got to think a coach makes a schedule knowing, like, you know, 
I'm going to make this on the schedule, but the day before I'm going to tell him off day. Like, so his family gets to plan for a day. No one else's family gets to plan for that day. Exactly. I remember highlights when just working in the office, when like buzz would go around, like Andy told everyone, get out of here by lunch. You're like, yeah, but he, but if I went to work out or did something else, you would see him leaving later. You know, it's not like he's out the door too, right? He's just letting everyone else know. Everyone's like, woohoo! Texting their wife, like, let's go get some dinner. Andy's just watching to see who's really taking advantage of it. Well, exactly. Is he, you know, taking, okay, you leaving right on time? Uh, oh, can you stand up for a second? I meant to take, God, I meant to take a photo of you at practice today. Are you wearing gray shorts? Middle cough, sneaky, wore silver and black to uh, Niners practice today. Whoa, whoa. And whatever color that is. <laughs> Silver yeah, and black, you, look at you. After yeah, when, you're, when, when you're one and oh, and you're up 20 to nothing in the first half, Hall of Fame game or the Super Bowl, there is a standard, as top Mike Tomlin and Nick Saban like to say, the standard is a standard. And I, listen, we can't name half the players. Most of us did not even think about watching anything past when Josh Jacobs left the game, but it's a squad. I'm driving home, flipping channels. You know, I don't know if you ever end up on like Fox Sports Radio, non-coward. They replay Skip and Shannon show all the time mm. as like a, they repurpose it to a radio. And I mean, you go, they, they play the hits, man. They play talk a lot of Cowboys, a lot of Russell Westbrook, Kyrie, Kevin Durant conversation. But they did an easy one react to the game last night. And Skip Bayless said, listen, I know it's only the twos and threes, but I saw enough. I'm going to pick them to win the division. He just dropped that. It's a Hall of Fame game. He said he's going to – even Shannon's like, what are you talking about? Picking them to win the division. And then he told well, Shannon well, that he likes Derek more than Justin Herbert. And Shannon's like, Derek didn't even play in the game. What are you basing this off of? This is like uh, Malcolm Gladwell, John. It's all about making quick, fast, snap judgments before anybody else have the opinion quickly before anybody else has the opinion. Do you think Devontae thinks it's a little weird that he's been on psychedelics and that's why he bounced that played a role? Could be a major factor, John. Could be a major factor. Devontae turned left at the T-Rex. The what, Aaron? The T-Rex. The T-Rex. It's right there. Turn left at the T-Rex. Aaron, I don't see a T-Rex. We'll turn left at the water park. I don't see a water park on a football field, Aaron. We'll turn left at the God of Thunder. I don't see a God of Thunder, Aaron. I just, we're out here on a football field. Very also, also flipping channels. Ended up on, uh, went to just get some Russo takes and like Mets Yankees. Danny Cannell sitting in for him. Danny went like, you know, listen, I, I got no issue. You want to take psychedelics to get clear your mind. But is the NFL just completely, hey, do whatever, man. Just do whatever. Just taking psychedelics for a couple years? Or is he so good? It's like, I whatever. saw Josiah uh, uh, had a great tweet. It was like, um, you know, the you know, the tweet of the guy, like the guy patting down the, the, the video of the guy patting people down at security. It, it recycled a million times, but he's yeah, not yeah, checking yeah. for anything. And it was like, Aaron, uh, the league drug testing Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Gordon. It was just like, uh. <laughs> I had a couple people DM me that are like, you know, we've come a long way in the community of psychedelics. The stigmatization of its impacts, it's going to help. It's going to change science. Like, yeah, I, I don't think anyone actually cares that much. Like, what drugs you're on, whether you smoke weed, shrooms, you want to take some Adderall. Like, people are making fun of Aaron Rodgers for this. It's not about like, Oh my God, he's on true. No, it's about the, 
it's about the whole thing. You know, it's <laughs> not about anyone. It's about it being weird. That's what it's about. Yeah. He puked and peed on himself in the wilderness and is now dating a girl named Blue of Earth. Like I, I've said over and over, I give him a little bit of like you date Hollywood actresses and you'd say he was a little off the beaten path and the Hollywood actresses he dated. But it's like I, 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 you date people from Hollywood. You're allowed to like, yeah, they're a little out there. I think the Blue of Earth thing is like a jump the shark for a star quarterback, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So just after an engagement, her or him? Well, him. He just remember he was engaged. Do you remember that? Like, yeah, it's, it's 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 hard to keep up with it, everything he's got it's going on. Keep up. A lot of evidence that shroom. Haha, says a lot of evidence that shrooms are good for PTSD. Yeah, I mean. I've heard, uh, yeah, that's tr- that's what people are pushing back in my DMs. They're well, transitioning for depression, shrooms, psychedelics, Mi- microdosing, of, as the kids say. There's a lot of supervised shroom shrooming for PTSD, right? Yeah, I know a lot of. I got a buddy who sent me a photo the other day of his. Um, he's going to Mexico uh, with some some buddies of his, and it's just like all the packs of different mushroom packets, and they've all got names like you know, the hurricane all that stuff i'm just maybe you should very calm you should give the cat some mushrooms maybe never come back maybe they love it and would never stop fly away (laughs) hey send us pictures of you this weekend it is a friday john it's our first friday with tito's back on the podcast for football season oh you got a you got a tito's hat there looks good tito's handmade vodka it is premier it is what you should be using america's original craft vodka and uh, we're sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. So this weekend, tonight, tomorrow, whatever you're doing, you're hanging out, celebrating the 25th anniversary of uh, Tito's, the continuation of summer and the beginning of uh, football returning. Make a drink, whatever you want. John Daly, big fans of the John Daly. Uh, whatever you do, take a picture of it. Send it to us. DM it to us on Instagram. Email it to us. Our, our emails are available on Twitter. DM it to us on Twitter, tweet at us, whatever, all that stuff. We appreciate that. Tito's loves it. And if you need some ideas for something to make for the weekend, go to titosvodka.com as well. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof crafted to be savored responsibly. I don't even need to tell you guys. You guys know it's the best vodka, best tasting, uh, best price point. And I've never, ever heard anyone complain. Whether you go somewhere, bring a bottle of Tito's. When you're out, order a couple of Tito's. Just... Stick with Tito's and you'll never go wrong. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Tito's, for being back for football season. Great to have you. I got a text from uh, buddy Matt, who's golfing in Hawaii. Yes, he sent me a picture. He was golfing in Hawaii. He said, people are living, you know, guy. Mexico, Hawaii. Shit. He goes, just just finished a round of golf with Trent Edwards. Good player. Stanford. Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And he showed me he's playing some course, John, where they've got like a, a 270 I think you've got to carry the ball 240 on a par three over water. You'd be in trouble. I mean, I would too. I mean, a yeah. lot of people would. <laughs> uh, but uh, let me see if I find this. Molly Walla Hala? It's um, Koopa Lala Hala? It's called uh, Ma- Ka- Mauna Kea. K-E-A. M-A-U-N-A. And then K-E-A. He said, Ma- of course, Mauna sweet. Kea. So it's great. Send me some videos. Sent me multiple videos and f- photos and then said, the best part of today, question mark, Tito's and soda at 10 a.m. Did he randomly get paired to Trent Edwards or are they friends? I think he knows. So he knows like the guy at the club, uh, the guy who runs the golf course, and he like 
set up a round for those. He didn't know him ahead of time, but this guy paired him, oh, gotcha. like set him up to play together. Yeah, just but, I mean, Trent Edwards just moved to Hawaii. Not a bad move if he did, or is he just yeah, randomly there as well? Tito's, but he said of all of that, the best part of his day was Tito's and soda at 10 a.m. One thing I remember about Trent Edwards, sneaky great hair guy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, just good looking dude. He he had a I don't know if he still does. He had a company that was in the um Canada in the space? like a VR in the VR oh, football yeah. space. Um it's called a, a Striver, I think was the name of the company. Striver. Trent Edwards is like I mean basically a year older than us. I mean good third round pick, 8 years in the league. Play in one of those eight-year career where he can claim like eight different teams. Moved around a lot. <laughs> yeah. Raiders uh, probably you know forgettable, but I other remember than that, that. I remember yeah. that. Remember, I think he went to the Raiders when they were really, really bad. John on the stream says, "Did we all see the backflip Drake Jackson did today? Part of the rookies hyping up the crowd. I did not see it. I heard the crowd go wild. Maybe that's what it was. Have you seen? Did you see it, or did you? Have you seen this on social? Did that happen? Was he the guy that around draft time was doing it in the pool? Yeah, remember he went <laughs> almost across the pool, almost hit his ankle on the other side of the pool. Yeah, I, no, I didn't. I didn't see it. I, I remember the pool video. He, I don't know how the pool wasn't that wide. Slash, he's an elite athlete. Got it. He, he flew pretty far. Uh, so clearly, he's uh, safe to say he's got some athleticism and some agility to him because he is. You and I were looking at him. I, I think he is just tailor made for this thing, this scheme. And we've talked about it this week that him falling to them. I, do you know who I would compare him to a little bit? Is looking back, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Like Debo fell in the draft, but we've seen guys fall to like the early 30s, right? Carr, guys that if you could do it over again, at worst are like picks in the teens. Like that, that happens. To me, when you go like 50 to 60, it's like, um, what's up there? And remember, DK and AJ both came from Ole Miss right at the time when Hugh Freeze and the hookers and and payments and shit was just getting really weird. Like Ole Miss was just viewed as like, it's just a crazy place. But looking back, it's like, well, who cares? Look at those two guys. Right. In what world, AJ Brown, honestly, even more than Debo. Like you just put those two guys, you and I were at practice today, Brandon Marshall. I am athletes there. He Pac-Man came to us. It's crazy how small he is. Brandon Marshall is how long, how wide's a field? 53, 53 52, yards? I think 52, 52 and a half. Yeah, 52 so he's and a half. 52. He's at minimum 60 yards. It is so clear that Brandon Marshall is humongous. Like, he could have been seven football fields away, and you'd be like, who the fuck is that massive human being? The group of guys he belonged with was Armstead, Kinlaw. Yeah. Uh, uh, Omenahu. Like Absolute freak. Yeah, Trent. Trent Williams. <laughs> well, that's A.J. Brown and, and D.K. Metcalf. And I think Drake, it's a little different. Like, I don't think Drake Jackson quite looks like Javon Kinlaw walking in the door. But in terms of, I'm telling you, guy, I feel pretty confident on this. I think by about midseason, a, a conversation is going to be because of the position he plays. And if he just gets seven, eight sacks, you know, throughout the season, but they play in some primetime games and it's been how on God's green earth. Did the nine? Did this guy land in the Niners' lap at the end of the second round at a pass yeah. rusher? Yeah, we all find tight ends and linebackers and safety, pass rushers, tackles, quarterbacks. Like, let's face it, that's pretty consistent. Like, to get sweet ones, you draft them in the top fifteen picks. Drake Jackson's going to be whatever pick sixty-one. It's going to be like, wait, that that guy right gets to play next to Bosa. What is going on here? He had a couple. His, his like 
he brings to the table. Sometimes guys fall because they're stiff or they, you know, they just only have one move or they can't quite bend. This guy is powerful. His bend, you notice today, like his arm length is just like, Jesus. He's he's talented, man. He had one thing, and I'm no OL masterminds. I'm not Jeff Schwartz here, knowing like what all the hand fighting's like. But I, I would say one thing just watching him in like trying to describe it in regular terms. He seemed to he gets off the, he disengages from the offensive lineman very quickly, right? Like the ball is snapped, he goes right at McGlinchy, McGlinchy goes at him, and then it's not so much that he's throwing him, he just gets out of that to like this really low bend and turns the corner around McGlinchy. And you said because I, I hit you, I'm like, let's just watch this matchup, and bam, he delivered. And as you said, it's a tough matchup for McGlinchy. He had three straight snaps. Albeit, you know, it wasn't against Trent. I'd love to see him against Trent some more. He had three cent straight snaps against the rookie uh, tackle Sam Schluter, Schletter from Minnesota. And it wasn't anything, it's not like so much that he dominated him, dominated him as much as watching Drake Jackson all three plays. It just seemed like he got to where he wanted to go. Now, again, that's not, you know, he's not going to be facing rookie right tackles, but he just looks very, very comfortable on the field. Like he belongs. He looks like he belongs. Yeah, on the one play where he got McGlinchey, it was a relatively quicker pass. I would say he was he was all over the quarterback in less than a second and a half. Like yeah. he would have been there quick, yeah. right? The pass went the other way, right? If the ball's coming at him, it's a problem. Yeah, I, I, I think he's got a chance. You remember we did the exercise, like how hard it would be, and pretty consistently the de- the rookie defensive player of the year isn't like a standout rookie. He's always like the best like a top five player in the NFL on defense. Right. Like right. Micah Parsons last year was, everyone was like, is this Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donalds? We, we've all heard the names over the years. And it's always, most of the guys go on to have like borderline Hall of Fame careers. Some of them Hall of Famers. Like it's Luke Kuechly. I mean, it's, a, it's the best players in the NFL. It is consistently the best players in the NFL. If you're a defensive player of the year, the likelihood of the trajectory of your career should be toward Canton, Ohio, right? Not like an outlier season. So it's going to be very, very difficult for him to win it based on history. But I think he could have a season where it's like, is this one of the better rookies in the NFL? I, I And part of it, he benefits from his team. But if you just went on sacks for rookies, I, I mean, just, if he can play 17 games, I, I don't think the 9 to 10-ish range is out of the realm of possibility, especially if they're going to be up in some of these games. Yeah, I mean, Bosa's number was, what, nine his rookie year, I think. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah. Like that. Uh, I Khalil mean, was four. Yeah, I, I, mean, I love I love doing this every time. Defensive rookies of the year. Micah Parsons, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Shaquille Leonard, Marshawn Lattimore, Joey Bosa, Marcus Peters, Aaron Donald, Sheldon Richardson, Luke Keekley, Von Miller, and Dominican Sue, Brian Cushing, Gerard Mayo, Patrick Willis, D'Amico Ryan, Sean Merriman, Jonathan Vilma, Terrell Suggs, Julius Peppers, Kendrell Bell, Brian Urlacher, Javon Kurse, Charles Woodson, Peter Bulware, Simeon Rice, Hugh Douglas, on and on and on. These are not defensive players of the year. Those are defensive rookies of the year. So I you mean, listed out countless Hall of Famers and then guys that went on to have non-Hall of Famers but cons- Pro Bowl guys. Like you'd say guys that become defensive player of the year candidates immediately. Our yeah. defensive candidate, defensive player of the year candidates in that year. Yeah. You're right. That's just you become like looking at Tony Baselli's resume at the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. It's like if you're an all pro level player as a rookie, 
you've got a great shot to just be a three, four, five time all pro. And then people are looking at you like, well, see all of famer. Well, it's like if you and I are filling out the ballot, like Micah Parsons is already on it in pencil for all pros, right? You just consider him. He's like already one of the best players, even though he's only played 16, 17 games, right? You just like, well, it's just going to continue. Bosa is a good example. The Bosa brothers, Aaron Donald, Keekley. It's like, well, once I write you down immediately, I just assume on defense, offense probably can be a little more hit or miss depending on the position, but maybe not. Like I bet tackles, like most like Tristan Wirfs, like remember it was like he became an all pro as a rookie. It was like all rookie team. And it was like, he plays, he's sweet. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like, well, he's just an outlier season. He shot 50% from three. No, it's like, no, he blocked everyone. He plays. You know, it's hard. Baseball and basketball, you can have outlier shooting or hitting seasons. In football, it's hard to have like a season where I don't allow a sack. And the next year, like I'm near the lead of the league of allowing sacks. Like it's probably not the way it happens. You said Khalil, like Khalil's a rare example, right? Of a guy that couldn't sack the quarterback really as a rookie. And when you say he was a little unique, just coming from a small school was still pretty raw. But once he figured it out, basically year two was off to the races. Also having watched that rookie year, you would agree, I think. He was Dominant there a lot. He just, for whatever reason, it didn't become a sack. Often he was falling down. Team sucked. Alden Smith had 14 sacks his rookie year, 19 and a half his second year. Yeah. Well, didn't he have more sacks through two seasons like anyone in NFL history? I think that was like the stat. I'm pretty sure his rookie year, 11, I don't think he started. I mean, technically, I'm 14. sure. 14. If we oh, fact- 2011, yeah. Yeah, if we factored in, like, the play snaps. But remember, it was like Alden wasn't just, like, a full-time starter on no. that team. Yeah, you're right. But Here I, is the- know, was he, you know, in fourth quarters, was he getting the reps? Here is video of Drake Jackson. The SF Niners on Twitter has it. Here we go. Pom-poms. And here we go. Is that a handspring? Is that what this is? <laughs> Guy, holy cannoli. I, I, how stupid are the athletes in the NFL? He almost <laughs> over rotates. I think I didn't expect him to get that high. Did you, when you first saw no. it? he oh had no God. problem. He could have hung in the air another second and still landed that thing. Jesus. It doesn't look I, like he's kind of on a trampoline. I could watch this all day. <laughs> oh my God. You think John's like, Hey, let's be careful on those. He's so smooth. I mean, he's not even close to screwing up, really. And and how I mean, he's tall, right? So he's got to get high in order to get his whole body around. Could you do that into a pool? I'd be afraid to do that into a pool. Yeah. Off a trampoline, I you know, on a trampoline, you could do it. But on the stream, uh dance it says the that's a back layout, gymnastics background. That's impressive. I, I, I'm I would guess that Drake doesn't have a gymnastics background. That's just I'm a freak athlete and I've just been screwing around in my backyard since I was about seven, right? <laughs> Can you imagine some of the stuff he's done on like people's diving boards? Because he did that into the pool, right? Imagine what he'd do on a diving board, like quadruple flips at that size. Like, you it, mean like, it, on again, like an Olympic board? You're gonna put him up in the air no, like I wouldn't, but I'm just mean like a normal diving board where he can get a little height. It's it it's one thing, you know, like when a skinny dude that's like 160 pounds does a couple flips. We'll see 255, 260 pounds. <laughs> that's, I mean, this is, that's not normal. 
Like I'm pretty sure Greg Louganis and company over the years in the Olympics, not they weren't very big. I, they, don't, I don't, they don't have a vert, their vertical leap doesn't come into play when you're jumping off of a diving board, right? What would you guess the average weight is of the of the divers doing flips? One fifty five? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's it, it's not many guys that look like him. My God, yeah. You know the other the other thing we saw today was uh, Elijah. Like everyone's in their practice. It's not like their real jersey, their game jersey. But for a second, I thought Elijah Mitchell was in his game jersey. We were just talking about him, and I look, and they're running drills, team drills with the ones, and he had, you know, a lot of these guys, they cut their pants, they're wearing, like, leggings, they got their shirts hanging out underneath the jersey. Elijah Mitchell looked ready. Didn't he look like he got ready today for a game? He just looked like he had his, his uniform on, ready to play a game. That's how he looked. He had multiple runs that probably would have hit for about 50. <laughs> now, And they're always on the left side behind 85 44 and 71, uh, which is smart. And I, I would imagine, I mean, I don't, we don't get access to the tape. One thing 65 can do coming from Notre Dame is run block. Like I, I think when you draft Aaron, ba- like Aaron Banks was run blocking for Notre Dame in his career when he was a several year starter there. And that's McGlinchey's thing, right? The pass protection, I think is the thing that you just wonder how he can do. So it's probably a pretty powerful run blocking left side. Yeah. When you factor in the fullback, the tight end 71 and, and Banks, but I, I I think, I mean, Mitchell, I was telling you, can you imagine, like, you and I see Dante Whitner walk out. Like, Dante Whitner or, or Bosa or Trent, like, Oklahoma, Ohio State, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop, right? They have seen, I bet Nick Bosa or Trent Williams be like, yeah, I remember my sophomore year, we had 65,000 people came out for spring practice. <laughs> we, it wasn't even a scrimmage. We were just going to do some drills. Stadium packed. It's like they, they have seen the highest of highs. Phil Savage told me that he used to tell players in preseason games when he'd look and see some of like his fifth, sixth, seventh round rookies like pacing and nervous and they can't breathe. He's like, you played at Florida. Like this, There was more pressure in the Florida-Georgia game than there is here in your second and third quarter. Like you're going to make the team. Like let's just, you, you know, and everyone needs to be so nervous. But when you come from a smaller school, and then you become a starter on a sweet team at kind of a, I mean, let's face it, you become a running back, you become a famous player because of fantasy and just you get touchdowns and you get the ball. Uh, it looks like, I, I said this in camp, or not camp, but OTAs, you and I walked by him. I think he was getting the day off. I was like, he kind of walks like carrying himself like he's a big leaguer. And that's a pretty quick transition. Now, part of it is he came to the NFL last year, had success, was good. So, sprinted by the dude that came from Ohio State and Oklahoma, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, and a year that wasn't – like, he he got banged up, he got hurt, and he came back, I think, in, with more muscle on him. It's not like he had some easy year. I think he probably feels like, like, I've been through – I know what it takes to be an NFL player. I think his body type, he just looks like the prototypical stout but thick, short but, like, well-built, ability to get through the whole – like, I think he looks awesome. Like stout but not – I would say stout, but not, but also athletic, like thick, but ath- he's not just muscular, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lowly. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, I think their running back situation is, is just stacked with talent. We got a friend here. She agreed. She's kind of built like 
she's probably built more like a you know a a, ba- a very very bad looking guard that's not going to make the team. Short short leg guard. Yeah, vi- Most center of gravity runs out of uh, juice fast on a walk. Maybe a guard from like the eighties. <laughs> yeah, guard from the eighties. Yeah. You know where you just drank all off season, came in, tried to get in shape, and lift. You didn't touch weights really till like uh, July thirtieth. It's clearly not the case. Yeah. I I actually had the thought. I saw Barrows talk to Anthony Lynn. I mean, all the assistant coaches talked to all the beat guys. And he was just saying that they feel good about the way Trey Sermon is coming on. If you're a running back room, if he's your third and Price turns out to be pretty solid and Elijah Mitchell, like you feel pretty, you drafted three guys. Like that's a pretty talented room, right? Two of them are kind of blue chippy coming from big time programs. And then Mitchell just has established himself like a, just a stud. That's, I think you feel pretty good about those three guys. And probably, I bet Wilson makes the team. I, I, I think you keep four guy, running backs. Uh, Jordan, is it Jordan Mason, the running, the rookie from um, Georgia Tech, has had some nice runs in practice? Uh, what number is he? Do you think he beats out Trey Sermon, though? No, no. But I mean, he probably ends up on their practice squad, right? So you mean he gets seven starts at the... Uh, <laughs> He'll have a game with three touchdowns, yeah. Just some random got activated on Sunday. Uh, bo, 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 why can't I find them on this roster? Anyway. I, I, 41. Uh, full disclosure, I, I'd say by the time Purdy comes in, I lose a little focus. I'm not saying that's all he's Yeah, that's, that's my time to chat yeah. with whoever's around me. So for sure, throw spirals though. Uh, all right, let's. We talked um, the other day on the pod about uh, Trey Lance and Debo Samuel trying to find some reps. Let's watch a Trey Lance throw, shall we? To Debo Samuel, incomplete. Uh, so this play live. This is for those of you not watching. If you're listening to the podcast, hello. Good to have you on the pod. Uh, this is a. Um, Debo in motion behind Trey Lance, running parallel to the line of scrimmage, and they—they uh, they don't. I don't know if this throw is high. I honestly, the throw is not too hard. Turn the music off here. The throw is not too hard. That's not the problem with the throw. They just miss. What'd you think? Did, here? You, did, did you on the drive home venture over to uh, Craig Pappas as Hunter as Hunter Pence calls him and John Lund? I, I did. I caught them. I just caught their IUK interview. How, how did we miss those guys there? Well, right when I passed you going into the gas station, where I'm sure we both got snacks. It's the Loop gas station, the Shell, just around the <laughs> around the corner. It's really the best interior gas station snack situation I've seen in, in a long time. It's fantastic. They had a guy named Trey Lance on the uh, on the show, and Greg. I didn't quite realize that when he hurt his finger last year against the Raiders, he started gripping it the wrong way because that's the way he had to grip it because of his finger injury for the rest of the season. And then when he started training this offseason, just muscle memory, he kept gripping it that way. And they noticed and they changed it. And they're trying to get his grip back to what it normally was, but he developed like he, I mean, this is him. He developed a bad habit just because his finger was fucked up. That he had to grip it like differently, and I, like to me, he's this pass happened pre Raiders, post Raiders, and this. So I, I, I think this is a throw that's gonna. I do think he's still wait. What at, are the? Oh, sorry, keep going. 
I, I still think he's at the infancy of like figuring all the flow of holding the ball, throwing the ball, the motion. And this is where we talk about being a work in progress. Like, you know, he's just, it's a lot to work with. This is a pass that I would say going back to the Kaepernick days, he really struggled on. And I would put, you know, Trey into the group of physically talented. And you just, like you said, though, he didn't throw a 99 mile an hour heater. Like Kaepernick could not even throw the touch in terms of like throw the change up, like already right away. Like that's really how far is that off? Maybe a couple feet. Like it's not that bad of a pass, but that is something for him to be successful immediately. Like they're going to run a lot of those quick sweeps. You know, like when I say sweeps, like Debo on the backfield kind of loops out quick screens. Like that's going to, that's a huge part of their offense with the, to Kittle right there. They run a lot of quick screens because those guys are so good after the catch. He's got to be accurate on those passes. If I remember correctly, the Arizona game, didn't he skip a ball or something like that? Now, well, again, that first throw, remember, was like an easy throw to the flat. And I think, I don't know if it was use check or something. Remember Kyle tried to get him an easy throw on the first throw and he like short hopped it? Remember, I think in Seattle too, remember his Maybe coming that's out of the half. Maybe that's I, I think he had an Arizona game in the red zone. Well, I know he had the Arizona game, but I mean in the red zone, a couple like misses like this, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And it's just something that they're going to need him to be above average on these as they work through the other stuff, right? And that that is an area where you just got to hit these passes. But as we talk about a lot, like I wouldn't say Jimmy's a lock to just hit all these guys. Like this is Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. They never miss this, right? And I think when you hear those guys talk, everyone's going to miss a 25-yard pass or a 30-yard pass. But if you never miss, and the top quarterbacks, I would say, the new guys are a little more gunslingers, right? The Mahomes, Allen, Herbert. But I, I would say for the most part, you feel pretty confident with them on these throws. But the elite guys, the non-mobile guys, hung their hat on 100% on this. It's like the best PGA Tour players. Never miss five-footers, right? Because you're only going to make so many 12-footers, right. right? But you can never miss a five-footer, and you're you're already ahead of the game. And this is going to be an area, to me, where you could argue – like in golf, they say, hey, work on a short game, work on a short game. Don't waste much time fucking banging drivers. You could argue they should work on this more often. I know they do at practice, but like even add periods to like just run little like quick screens. And I know they do it. It's part of like every football practice, but he's got to be good at this. If he's good at this right away, they're already good because this is a huge part of their offense immediately because it's always has been and they've excelled, right? Yeah, if you told me he just hits all of these throws like a vet and what and is just, you know, scattershot on the downfield throws, I'd say if they can just hit this stuff, it's a first down, Kyle just wants seven yards, it's a third and short, just get it to Debo, then I would say that they're going to win 11 games, right? Like that's just the base. If he just does the basic stuff and the other stuff is gravy, they'd be in good shape. We, we saw twice today, and I know he's missed some deep throws deep. He doesn't underthrow the deep ball really, which is good. He overshoots the deep ball. Um, twice he overshot Debo today. I I wonder, and we talked about it, I think, on the pod Thursday. And pretty pretty, and, pretty big overthrows too, right? Yeah, I mean, you know. He couldn't he couldn't and Debo just and are not the they're just not in sync in the way that him and Ayuk are. You don't really see him miss to Ayuk. 
Not on and, that deeper pass, yeah. Well, a part of it is I wonder if does he is he throwing that deep ball? Is Debo slower than most guys he's been trying to throw that he's been training with throwing that deep ball too? I would in say terms of Debo, Debo plays yeah, faster put, with the ball in his hands than he does. Yes, hundred percent. You put the ball in Debo's hands, and it's then you throw another ball at him. You'd hit him. He'd be there. But over the top, there's not a lot of separation for him. For Debo, there's not. A lot is of that even Debo's route? I mean, are you going to be asking him to do that a lot? I, I don't think much, but I think it feels to me a little bit like Trey's trying to throw at Debo just because maybe they haven't had as much as many reps. Well, he so. mentioned that in the in the interview with those guys, like how much time he got to spend with Ayuk. And it wasn't just Debo's Kittle too, right? Because, you know, Kittle was a Nat. He was under contract, but Kittle was in Nashville for a large percentage of everything. And even during practice, remember, Kittle was on the sideline. <laughs> Kittle wasn't even practicing until the OTAs when Debo showed up too, and then Kittle practiced. But like I, I don't think, do you, now Kittle's on a different program, a little bit of the Bosa. Like I, they're not, I would say this is, clearly they are taking it easy on his reps for like, we are not running in the ground without yeah. you banged up. But like, do you feel great about their cohesion? I feel pretty good. I mean, he's close. He's going to be closer than Debo on the deep routes. The, like the, you said, the one thing with Debo on the deep routes, he's missing him. The DB is just really close to Debo. Cause, but if Debo had the ball in his hands, the D, the DB would be three yards behind him. Like it's just, yeah. it's just that's why Kyle would say we just give him the ball. The other thing is, I think with sometimes with like faster receivers, the ball when the ball leaves the quarterback's hand on a downfield throw, the receiver doesn't have as much separation as he eventually gets. Sometimes, right? Um, Feels like Ayuk said a lot. Ayuk gets a lot. He did it again today. Ayuk just continued to look really good. Uh, Hugh on the stream says, I think you're making too much out of one throw. Yeah. I mean, look, he'll hit that throw, but I think it's rare for us to have, to be allowed to film team period. Uh, they usually don't do that. What we just saw in that tray throw during the, the part of practice you're allowed to film. And they just happened to run that. And we had that footage. So it was just a chance to look at a throw that Trey made today, because generally we don't get, um, kind of team chances to actually there was, I don't think there was any, was there a defense in that clip? No, this is just this is just offense. So it's not full team eleven on eleven. But even so, we don't get a lot of chances to film that eleven. The offense, the ones out there, more so one on one drills, that kind of thing. So just I just think that a huge play in their playbook because of this guy's skill set is either him in the backfield or him lining up in the slot and then kind of running a wheel route where the essentially the play is to throw to nineteen. Right? It's a pass. It's not a pitch. It's a pass. It's kind of to get him in space. And that is a play that every team in the league, if they had him, would run multiple times a game. Correct? Yep. Especially the left side when 71 gets out there and operates like a Mack truck with 85. And you could put Jennings out there too, just blockers in front of him. He hit that. When I think of Debo Samuel, to me the play in a, in the pass game beside a slant or an in is something like that where I'm throwing the ball to him behind the line of scrimmage, a non-run, and his patience and then him going, like, going zero to 60, and it's off. Maybe bounces off a tackle, and boom, 30 yards later. Do you notice when they ran offense in team period from their own five-yard line twice, back-to-back -back plays, Debo Samuel lined up in the backfield? Not that there was any question about that, but. Debo said he's a wide back. Shifted in the backfield, no hesitation. Didn't yell at anybody. Rich wide back. 58.1. The richest wide back in the history of the league. 
So, do you think anytime soon a running back gets $58 million guaranteed? Running backs are going to be like major league baseball coaches. They're going to start making less money. Well, I, how they many already are, I guess. Who, who's just going to get a multi-year contracts, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe some like some guy sits out two years of college if that happens soon. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We got to keep an eye on this. I guess this Texas running back. People think he's just like sweet. But again, people like sweet running backs the first like three back. years. Yeah, <laughs> there's cool running back. Great, he's going to be under team control for five years, John. <laughs> not Najee's sweet, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they're not thinking like, when do we got to give him a twenty a year? Yeah, if he's sweet, he goes in the first round, and then we just pick up his fifth year option, and we get five years out of him. It's fantastic. The crazy part about running backs more than receivers. Like, how often does a guy like? And he was hurt last year, and they were messing with him, but like. It's not inconceivable that Elijah Mitchell is just a better player than Travis Etienne, right? Where it's very rare, like first round, sixth round. It's very rare, rare wide receiver like, you know, T. Higgins or whoever, uh, Nuke Hopkins, and this dude from Louisiana Lafayette, sixth round wide receiver, and that guy becomes better, right? At running back, it happens constantly. At receiver, it's like, yeah, usually the guys have picked high, about 80% of them are sweet. Yeah. Running back's like, God, you see this guy we got in the seventh? We think he can give us uh, 17 carries a game. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at Butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on prize picks has something for every sports fan from basketball to hockey to league of legends and everything in between it's really simple to play you make your picks submit an entry in less than 60 seconds i'll do it at halftime of a basketball game and i also have some season-long more or less picks on mlb homers you may remember i've got less on otani homers this year we'll see and at halftime of your next nba blowout game just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, 
Maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I wanted to, uh, I did, I crunched them. We didn't do a pot on Thursday, but I crunched some numbers on Thursday on Brandon Ayuk because we were, we constantly, every practice he's going up and making plays. Like, how is he doing it? Well, he's got 33 and a half inch arms, John. And I think going, when you watch players in person, arm length is something that definitely stands out. We were looking at guys today. We saw Bosa scratch the back of his knee without really moving much. It was standing straight up. I saw him do a practice today. It was <laughs> weird. But um, Brandon Ayuk. So here's the top 30 pass catchers in the NFL last year. This is the group of 30 guys. Okay. If you're listening, Cooper Cup, Devontae, Tyreek, Jefferson, Mark Andrews, who's a tight end, Deontay Johnson just got paid, Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddell, Stephon Diggs, Renfro, Godwin. Hollywood, Cooks, Amon Ra, Pittman, uh, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, who's a tight end, Christian Kirk, uh, Terry McLaurin, Debo, Mike Williams, DK Metcalf, Zach Hurts, Mike Evans. Okay, those are a lot of lot of compensation in this group. A lot of compensation. Yep. And uh and you know, he's he is so of this group of guys, now now Ayuk's not in this group in terms of top 30 receptions last year, but he will be this year. But of this group. Only three of those guys have longer arms than Brandon Ayuk. Did you say I, what the lowest number of like what was thirty like in the eighties? Uh, like how, how you said catches? Those are the top thirty catches. Those are the top thirty players in terms of receptions last year. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was the least like eighty-two? You know, I mean, it's the bottom uh, yeah. Of that well, list. what did uh, what did Debo have last year? <sighs> Mike Evans was the lowest of that group. So okay, I'll look up Mike Evans really quick. Keep talking. Um, so of that group, the longest arms, Mike Evans, 35 and one eighth, 74. Okay. 14 touchdowns though. Oh, yeah. Wow. So Mike Evans, longest arms, 35 and an eighth DK Metcalf next 34 and seven eighths, Travis Kelsey, 33 and three fourths, which is a quarter inch longer than Brandon. Ayuk, 33 and a half. His arms are slightly longer than Mike Williams arms at 33 and three eighths. And Mike Williams is four inches taller. All four of these other guys are really tall. Yeah. And I'd say Mike Evans and Travis Kelsey are headed to the Hall of Fame. Um, and I you at six feet. I didn't include his 40, his uh 40 inch vert in this, but that's a part of it too. But but you know, I just it, it's I think some of the great catches he makes in practice are repeatable. They're not that today he made a spectacular catch and that was cool. I think he's gonna consistently do it because he makes up for his stature with arms of a player that 
you know, is taller than him. One thing, probably before you flipped it on, they had on Fred Warner and Ward together. God. And it was a pretty good back and forth. And and they asked him about Ayuk. They asked Ward about Ayuk. And he went, went through how impressed he is. And he said the thing that blows him away is his ability at the catch point. Like the moment the ball is there to, and this was always like on a deep route, Randy Moss was the best at this because you can keep your speed and your body control if you shoot up your arms at the last possible moment. Like Randy was great, never breaking stride to the last second shooting his arms up. I think Ayuk, his body control working, he doesn't shoot his hands to the last possible second, but it's Mm -hmm. just perfectly timed. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the ball skills slash just the instincts of when to attack the, the the football. And then after he finished, there was kind of a silent pause. And Lund looks at Fred. He goes, you too good? <laughs> and, and he laughed. <laughs> what did he say? He said that it's just, you know, for, when you listen to Fred, he talks completely different than out there kind of getting on guys. Like you listen to him, you're like, God damn, this guy's a high level guy. Yeah. <laughs> he just just he just claimed that. You know, it's his job as one of the captains to just push guys. And he's like, I'm only we're only I'm only pushing guys like I'm not wasting time with random guys. Like if it's a good thing, like we're he's we're on the same. Like, I love the guy. I mean, he he was he then went over the top of it was very believable when he gave his. I mean, Fred is Fred is an interview is pretty impressive. Well, I, did you hear Ayuk by chance? I did not know. High level guy, man. He was impressive too, and Fred clearly is. Well, Johnny uh, Holland, the, the linebacker coach who was had cancer last year in his back, was with Kyle. Makes sense. I, I didn't know this. Not that I'd studied his bio, but was the linebacker coach with the Texans when Kyle was there, and he coached D'Amico Ryan's. <laughs> just the high level guys, and he just he said Fred liked D'Amico. Certain people just have a knack for being a coach on the field leader slash good player. Like it's rare. You know, that's what Keekley fell under that Ray Lewis. When you're the total package, right? You can communicate with every guy, you know, all the plays and you're the best player. You know, like some guys have some guy like Huvanga. Huvanga knows every play. People like him. Is he the most talented though? No, he's probably 11 out of 11. Now relative to a good defense, not necessarily his fault, but he's the, probably the least talented of the group. But he's an A plus knowledge, A plus, you know, communicating with the guys. <laughs> so there's something to be said. Like ideally, you look for, like you said, Ayuk is a good example. If Ayuk turns into what he looks like, he's going to have it all, right? Organic has turned this guy into a monster. Toughness, willingness, understanding, and then the skills. Like that's that's ultimately, and this we keep talking about with the Niners. That's what you want in all your players, right? It's why Devontae, to me, is just like a no-brainer. So many other teams, I know he kind of got to pick a spot, is like everything you want into a star player. Yeah, Great guy, elite player, teammates, coaches love him. Will do anything you ask him to do. Like, that is what Aaron Donald is. You know, I you think, you know, you go Jalen, you know, I think Jalen Ramsey, you know, might not be the easiest. Stephon Diggs, like, did you see the highlight of him yesterday, of like the one-handed catch, toe tap? I think the Bills tweeted out. I was like, geez, what a catch. I think he can be a little, you know. Oh, here we go. Mercurial. Good word. That, oh, that, my God. He never brings the ball to his second hand. It, he just winds uh, and throws it into the stands. Yeah. But the, but that's football. Like, Brandon Marshall, I think, you know, has his moments. But, shit. 
you know, Brandon Marshall. Do you remember the Niners played the Bears on like a Sunday night football? It might have been like Tom Sula and Jimmy Ward one on one with Brandon Marshall. And it was like, Jesus. And Brandon's just like going up, put, picking the ball like this. Makes sense. I mean, you stand next to Jimmy, you could see Brandon from a mile away. You're like, yeah, this is not a great matchup, right? <laughs> you would not. You, you might, if you're a defensive coordinator, call timeout if situations like that arise. But I, I just but, found somebody wrote like 2,000 words just with footage, a full breakdown of that performance. Brandon Marshall? Yeah. So p- part of it, what makes DBs hard, I, I think the Diggs is a good example. Because I was just thinking when Diggs made that catch, you know, is Diggs a top five wide receiver? He's definitely a top 10. He's, he's an excellent player. But I think what he represents is because of college, all these sweet wide receivers have come in the last five or six years. And he, he's been there even before that. Has there ever been more talent at wide receiver? Just consistently coming in, just guys that are just really, really good. I'm not saying like every guy's Jerry Rice or Randy Moss, but you can just constantly, these guys in the second round, let alone all the first rounders, it's like there's talent everywhere. To the point that these some of these teams have to be thinking, why would we ever pay, like really pay a receiver? Now you get one of them and he's yours, then you, you want to pay him. But in free agency, it's like, you know, the Eagles just traded for A.J. Brown, obviously, and paid him. That was pretty unique. Like the Titans just could not afford him, and he's still pretty young. They would not have done that though, guy. If instead of taking Jalen Rager, they had Ayuk or Justin yeah, Jefferson. That's a point. They, they they value that position, but they whiffed in the draft in the first round to kind of push their hand because they're like, God, we just. I, I think what it tells you though is you need two wide receivers, right? Woods and Cup, and then what happened? They trade Woods. They get Allen Robinson, like the Niners. Debo Ayuk, back to back years. I don't think. It's kind of crazy what the Packers accomplished. Now he was so good, but like, can you imagine if he just had just a friend? Not not even just a T. Higgins. Or, I don't I don't even need. Look at what Allen and They're Mike Williams. These Packers are still trying to do it. It's not like the Packers are trying to get to the thing that everyone else does. I mean, they drafted a receiver, but Mike Allen and Keenan Allen, or Mike Williams and Keenan Allen for Herbert. How sweet that is. Yeah, like you can say that. Yeah, and Chiefs, they had Hunter Henry as rookie year. Yeah, so it's like I mean the Chiefs. I know he's a tight end, but he's the greatest. Tyreek and Waddle. That's could be the littlest, fastest group in the history of the league. And if Mozart's on the field, well, I, really I think I, I was watching NFL Network like on Saturday. What day is today? Friday. So yeah, it was like their Saturday or Sunday, like Sunday all day around the league. And you know, it's Willie McGinnis. And, and they were just talking like, we're the fastest team in the NFL. And so, you know, you go to all these camps, like all these teams are dropping that. Like, we're the toughest team in the NFL. We're the we're the best passing game in the NFL. Like, everyone's dropping that. No one's none of them have seen another team yet. But no, but you start thinking about it. Like, could they be Waddle, Hill, Mozart, Gasecki can fly for a tight end. Yeah, they 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 signed Cedric Wilson, the number one dude from the Cowboys who can it was fast. Cowboys can use some of their receivers back, by the way. Everyone can have receivers. The Cowboys got basically just CeeDee Lamb now. Mike will figure it out. Uh, yeah, well, I have a lot of confidence in that. I think it's a result of all, you know, it's the, the receivers have trickled up in the NFL, like all these seven on seven camps, all these wide open college offenses. That's what I'm saying. You get all these play. There's more reps when there's four guys in a route in the formation. There's just more. You get all these receivers who have a ton of reps by the time they get to the NFL. It's one thing when you've got two wide this, that means there's two other guys who aren't getting that many reps, but now everybody's getting all these game reps by the time they get to the league. 
Well, I was thinking about the progress of any sport, right? Things just naturally evolve. And football has become such a passing game. And the way the college game, think about the stalwart programs. We're always like, we're going to stay running the ball. We're going to stay running the ball. Yet you think about it, Alabama and Ohio State have become factories for blue chip wide receivers. Like Saban is not even remotely the same. Now he had his moments, first big recruit Julio, then Amari, but it was like Julio by himself, (laughs) Amari by himself. Now he'd have Amari, Julio, and, uh, you know, fucking Chris Olave all on the same team. And, but that's just because that's the way the game's played. But isn't that, you always tell me when you go to these college practices in basketball, like everyone's shooting threes. You hear these stories now like college golf. Every dude hits it 310 plus with his crazy golf, you know, speed. In college baseball, everyone's trying to hit home runs now. It's just a natural, you just kind of idolize like what you think is going to work at the highest level and get you paid and have success. And then it all kind of morphs into each other. Football's weird because more than the other sports, I guess in basketball, it morphs down. In football, it like morphs up and down. You know, like I bet Kyle and, and I mean, what was this play? Andy stole a play from like the Rose Bowl in like the 50s. Remember that? Was that the Super Bowl? Or was that- yeah, it was like an inside. Wasn't it like an inside run to somebody? Wasn't that the play? Yeah, but it but it was legitimately like the 60s or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't it like a goal line run, like an inside goal line play? Was that the Niners or just a random game? Might have been like a Sunday night game if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think it was the Niners Super Bowl. Maybe was it a was it the AFC Championship game that year? Maybe might have been. I feel like it was a talking point leading up to the Super Bowl, but maybe that's what it was. It was a playoff game that either in the AFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl they kept referencing it, like how proud Andy was. But my point is, is that people steal from college and high school in the pros, just like in the pros those teams steal from them. It's kind of morphed. Like, I don't think in college basketball, you know, like the reason everyone's shooting threes is strictly because of the NBA, right? Yeah. It wasn't like an, an idea, like in college basketball. Now these guys idolize Steph Curry, idolize Dame. I think these college basketball coaches realize, well, if I got a couple guys that can hit it, I'm more inclined to let them shoot. Now we're in football. It's just coming fast and the furious. And part of it, and I'm not saying that like in college basketball, they don't go to NBA practice and stuff, but it is pretty consistent in the sport of football. You can go to a college program, see a bunch of NFL people. You can go to an NFL practice and not just see like David Shaw there. We saw UC Davis coaches there. You don't think they made a couple notes yesterday? Like, I kind of like the way that they they do this. You're like, I, I kind of like that. And then you talk, like, I like that blocking scheme. Let's put that in. And you and me were making fun of like, those guys are going to go. There is 100%, no doubt, those guys, either whether it's a wide receiver coach or no line coach, and drop a Debo, a Trent Williams. This is what I saw, and this is how we're going to do it, right? And they'll do it. And <laughs> it'll be, hell, they might call it, you know, 19 Bob, and it's basically just for Debo or, you know, Trent Trent is a certain pass protect. Who knows? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. I think cool that's part of football. Like really creative NFL coaches fun. And I think it's, maybe a lot of stuff comes from college and high school coaches because you almost have to be more creative when you have less elite talent, right? In the NFL? Well, just in in anything. Like, if your team is less talented, then you have to be more creative from a scheme standpoint. And there's just, you know, high school teams don't have three elite-level wide receivers on their team. They don't have a bunch of mall. You know, you just – I remember the first time I ever saw – that 
formation with three offensive linemen split outside the hash marks with a wide receiver set up behind them. And like Jim a, Tom Sula, it, it was Jim McElwain did it at Texas A&M more talented, te- less talented team against more talented team. I think he threw the ball to a guy named Clifton Smith, who actually would go to the pro bowl his rookie year as a returner. But maybe that's where a lot of that stuff comes from is like high school coaches, the stake. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing this theory as we go here, but they just do. You just, you're more creative because you just don't, it's not get the ball to Debo and watch him go for most teams. Right. I think the, I, I think the thing with football coaches and basketball coaches would fall under this and baseball. I don't think so, but just because it's not, it's not the same football coaches though, specifically, cause they're like set plays. You know, the, remember the thing that Josh McDaniels had seen the play Lane Kiffin had done against LSU and then they did it in the playoffs against the Ravens, and John Harbaugh lost his shit. Uh, like on some delayed tight end that checked in, he was eligible. The offensive lineman wasn't. Whatever it was, yeah, I would say that consistently happens every single season. That it goes both ways. Like the coach after the game, like we we saw these guys running it, we yeah, use yeah, this, yeah. or we saw these guys running it, we use this. Part of it is like it's like a respect level to the other coach, and it's just a very fun. Kind of gets everyone. You get credit for being smart, you know. You, yeah, you do. And, and really, you do get people in the chat are saying you can be creative with talent. A hundred percent, you can. There's no question. You can do things with talent that you can't do without talent. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's just more stuff you can because it does feel that way with football versus basketball. But maybe if we talk to a basketball coach, I remember for a while these guys were uh, several teams were running. Calipari, Kentucky was running. This like offense that Vance Wahlberg, this guy at Fresno City College, was running, and he was just like, "I'll take that and I'll do it with more talented guys." And uh, maybe you should re-implement that. I think they've been struggling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's a half-baked theory, which which isn't fully baked. But um, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay. I'm reading Jordan Rodriguez, um, Rams beat writer for the Athletic. Sean McVay declined to call Stafford's elbow issue tendonitis and instead noticed that, quote, it's a tricky deal and, quote, abnormal for a quarterback. More so, quote, things that MLB pitchers deal with, and the team is learning more about it on the fly. But added Stafford's look great with limited reps Thursday. Uh, Rodriguez continues, again, not a new issue, but they've decided to try and manage it. The way they've tried to decide to manage it is new relative to last year. Again, while arm pain is never not a concern, my sense is after some treatment early spring, they decided to go with this on-load, deload plan, and that's been the schedule per McVay. <laughs> All right. I didn't read the quoted tweet till just right there. If you just follow Major League Baseball, and definitely the last decade, the number one precursor, for unless a guy gets hurt on the throw from the mound, which has happened before is arm pain, arm stiffness, arm tendonitis, being uncomfortable in the elbow, right? The number, the first thing that happens is like, we're just giving him a couple starts off. He is His elbow, it's, we don't think he needs surgery. We're just going to give him a little time. It always happens first. It feels like it on the Tommy John guys, right? It always starts with elbow pain, being uncomfortable with the elbow, flare in the elbow. It's just, it's a tried and true formula, and I—they're the ones that mentioned it. 
They said this is common in baseball pitchers. I mean, that's I, I don't see, and I'm listen, I'm not rooting for them. Like, I want to see Matt Stafford healthy. I want to see these two teams play at a high level. That's sweet. We experienced three of them last year. It was badass. I, I, I'm a Matt Stafford fan. So while it would make the Niners path much easier, I, I'm not rooting for him to go. But I don't see how you couldn't look at this situation and go, this has potential to be a fucking disaster. Because they're also saying, because remember last year, there I think there was some fatigue and they, they didn't make him throw a bunch in camp. They're admitting this is something completely different. This is not like, you know, his arm's a little sore or shoulder. His elbow? I mean, it is what percentage, like, under no circumstances am I going to be if a Schefter bomb happens, like Matt Stafford is going to see Dr. James Andrews. He might need Tommy John. Like, that's, I, I don't see how anyone can't acknowledge that's where it feels like a possibility for it to head. Sean McVay called it, quote, a tricky issue. He said this is not a new issue for Stafford, who dealt with what McVeigh indicated is a bit unique last year. What's new is the management plan, in part because of the extended season. Is that referencing last year that they had a long season because they won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, listen, maybe I'm. It feels like they're more open talking about it now. That the tricky issue is just his verbiage. Guy was coach trying to downplay it, but also like kind of nervous. I don't we know want to have him operate with as little pain as possible. Um, shoot up your elbow. You never ever. Coaches love saying this, but when they're like, "You're no one's ever pain free, really." When you think about it, you know they love putting that one in. Like, well, I, uh, my guess is if we went and checked out on Justin Herbert, his arm's pretty pain free right now. Yeah, like what's his pain week four with Herbert? Well, it's like I got stepped on my my right pinky toe hurts like a bitch, but I just play through it. Like that's just yeah. natural wear and tear. It's not like yeah, my shoulder or my elbow just gives me a lot of problems. You'd be like, well, your throwing shoulder, like right to me, your throwing shoulder. You mean the thing that our entire franchise hinges on? Like <laughs> it hinges on that. He didn't participate. <laughs> he didn't participate in team drills for the last two padded practices, and likely won't do it until August tenth. That's from August 4th, that report. So that's something to keep an eye on. I it just here's what I know. The Arizona Cardinals are having one of the worst training camps in the history of training camps, guy. Their quarterback situation is an all-timer. We've we've never seen that before. And go, I think OC Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance we'd never see anything quite like that again. But okay, we already knew Kyler was kind of a pain. In back-to-back days, they had their star wide receiver, who they tra- they traded pick twenty-two for, who was also on your list. Because I think you know people, and I think I do this too. You know, it's Hollywood. He did have ninety catches last year. Like he's a productive little guy. Arrested, <laughs> and then the next day they're running twenty-six miles an hour. How fast was he going? One hundred twenty-six. My God, did I? Is that not something that? No, I, I just that up? well, it made sense because I was thinking like you don't get arrested for ninety, right? To get arrested for excessive speed, it's got to be usually like over one ten. Like I get well, I guess in Arizona, you actually anything over eighty five, you can that can be called excessive speed or twenty five over or twenty over any limit or speeding in a school zone. But yeah, one he was going one hundred twenty six miles an hour in the on the freeway, or does it say HOV lane? 7 a.m. in the HOV, so probably a wide-open time on the highway. And probably maybe meeting 7.15 or something. He was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Or, or just flying. One thing I will say, my mom got a Lexus, an SUV, 
uh, like 2022. It's pretty new. I drove it to Tahoe because my my window <laughs> broke in the back. I had to I had to get it fixed, so I, I had to switch your cars. And a couple times on the drive back, I just looked. It's so smooth. Some of these new and I who know I I would have guessed he's in a Porsche or something sweet. You can go in newer cars, especially fast cars, sports cars, hundred without even feeling. It. I'm not defending them, but because you're going 126, you're kind of noticing how fast you're going. I do think you can go 90 and it can feel like 70 now. Now the 126, you are hauling ass. Again, disaster arrested. Their running back coach also got arrested on administrative leave. That's back to back days. So to me, that that is like they're dealing with just a lot of shit. The Stafford thing is their team feels completely normal. They just have it's just something to keep an eye on and monitor. That when you start dropping major league baseball players. Did you mention I, I, the, the I feel play very calling con- thing? I, I didn't. You can. I, I feel very confident the Arizona Cardinals are not going to make the playoffs. Very well, confident. The other thing was apparently Kyle is such a pain in the ass for Cliff because he complains about his play calls that Cliff basically said to him, well, you think you can do this? Why don't you try it and see how quickly you can get plays in? So he let Kyler try and call plays. And one of the things he said was he gives the play and then he keeps talking and talking and talking. But essentially it came from you know, it's like if you're riding shotgun in the car with me and you're telling me where to go and watch out for that car, slow down, change lanes. I go, fine, John, you drive, right? That's essentially what Cliff did with Kyler. Because Kyler, what did he say? Like, uh, uh, all right, you, you you think it's easy? Why don't you try it, big boy? Or something like that. Can I read you the exact quote that he yes, said to please. the media? Please. I just wanted him to know that, hey, this shit ain't easy, Kingsbury said. Every now and then, he starts shaking his head when I'm calling it in there. I'm like, all right, big dog, your turn. To me, there's a big difference of like coaches bantering with their guy, right? You know, you see that a lot, especially with the, you know, the the Rodgers and the the Brady's and Mannings, like a legit competition kind of, but it's it's very high level. Breeze and Sean Payton and stuff. That is like I, I can't believe he said that. Do you think they're just kind of tired of all this stuff? Tired? <laughs> I meant tired of like, once you pay them, they know they don't have to worry about it. It's like you bought a new car and after three days you're telling your neighbor like, man, I hate this piece of junk. <laughs> like, no, no, you just got it. <laughs> that quote's pretty crazy. Can you imagine if Kyler said something, or I mean, if Kyle said something like that about Especially his quarterback? because you know what the current climate around your guy is that this will only bring more negative attention. That's the part to me. That's like, if he just said this out of the blue when everybody, no, there was no bonus complaining about anything. No one, there was no independent study and he'd been everyone happy. He'd never deleted Instagram. Even that would be like, Oh, okay. That's just kind of funny. But in the current situation, you know, you're just telling everybody, this guy is bugging me. He's difficult. He, he, thing does, I, he criticizes the play calls I make. He doesn't like the plays I'm calling. I thought Cliff and Leach and those guys have like seven plays. I didn't realize it was such an intri- intricate, yeah, exactly. you know, playbook. Like what? Don't they just run like quick screens and bombs and slants? That's why you don't have to study, right? <laughs> well, yeah, we run. We got you know six concepts in the whole playbook. If. Worst case scenario, Stafford went on injured reserve. Do you think the Niners, anything less than an NFC Championship game, would be a, assuming he missed a lot of games, not just like a game or something? 
If he's missing countless games, I'd say the Rams would be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, John, obviously John become the favorites to win the division. Um, and, you know, Tampa's having issues right now. Green Bay is trying to figure out Echinacea or whatever the hell Rodgers is doing. Um, yeah, Psychedelics, it, bro. It would feel like it's wide open for you. If 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 something happens when Staff, if Stafford is out an extended period and the Rams need another quarterback, I will ask you, this was – I thought a great thought by you yesterday when we were just texting. If you were the Niners, would you keep Jimmy Garoppolo just to keep him off of the Rams roster and pay him $24 million just to make sure that the Rams do not get a competent quarterback? Or would you feel obligated? What are we going to do? Keep this guy here and keep him from what could be an incredible year for him personally. Let him go be the Rams quarterback and settle it on the field like adults. Was Jimmy starting for sure over Wofford, yes. Bryce Perkins, and yes. Luis Perez? Wait, Perez, Luis Perez from F1? Uh, Luis Perez from Texas A&M <laughs> Commerce. Did he just replace uh, Daniel Ricardo for uh, <laughs> yeah, the Orange l- team? Keep an eye on uh, Luis Perez. All right. Uh, yes. So what do you do? Uh that situation would be kind of dicey. I, I would pay him to just stay on the side, and maybe Jimmy'd be cool with it. Uh, they wouldn't have a choice. I mean, they they would have to go sign him. I, I think this is where, honestly, you kind of work with Don Yee. Like, can I get him to the Steelers right now? What? Because if the Niners could get him to the Steelers tomorrow by cutting him and just have him get there and just avoid everything else, Seattle, the Rams, I think they would do it. But it's kind of hard because I've been wait, even. Wait a, second. wait a second. What happened to do the right thing? Do right by the guy. Release him and let him choose his destination. Now well, you're going to pay the, him $24 million to stay on the team? Well, to me, the, the Rams, I don't view Seattle as an equal. The Rams, I would not, I would not be cool yeah, with. So you would, you would keep him on the team, have Trey go through that to keep Jimmy from playing for the Rams. Not good enough for us, but too good to go play for the Rams. Well, let's just, let's just say that that's an option. Stafford goes on IR next week. Out for the season needs Tommy John. Yeah. I think then that's when Don Yee and they make it. Because part of it's been like, we're all on the same page. We're all buddies. See, John Lynch is like, see, we're all buddies. And it's true. You and I are seeing it. It's like, God, they're all buddies. Like Everyone's all being buddy-buddy. That's when I think it would get a little weird, right? What For sure. Because right now, ultimately, there's no competitive disadvantage for the 49ers. If he plays for the Seahawks or, you know, the Steelers, if you're the 49ers, you are directly helping your biggest competition, the defending Super Bowl champs. If you release Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing he's going to sign with the Rams. Well, do you, do you think if that's because- like they can't push back ultimately on the last they can't really push back on Don if Don says to them, and this is the point you've been making, you are not doing right by my guy, but. If they refuse to release him to play for the Rams, it'd be the one time you could make the case, I understand why they're just holding on to him, right? Someone, I heard heard Lund mention this. I don't know if Kyle said it this morning or someone wrote it, that they offered Jimmy the opportunity if he wants to come to meetings and go through it all, and Jimmy declined. Well, was that when we were talking to Kawakami today? Was that part of that conversation? Did he mention that? I didn't hear him say that, so maybe you heard that somewhere else. I heard, Well, I heard on the radio for sure driving home. So it's like, listen, I'm being a good guy, but I'm not like all in on pretending this whole 
you know, just coming around. So there is a line meetings either. I wonder, did you see that the guy that Goodell press conference, the guy Goodell appointed to do this, the appeal, I guess has some NFL connections. (laughs) You know, he's like worked on some different deals. Let's just say he gets a year or an indefinite. Like he's no Deshaun Watson this year. And the Browns through Don Yee are like, listen, we don't have any picks because of what we traded for a guy that is now suspended for a year. Bizarre situation, we know, but it's a situation we're in. We cannot trade for him. Can you force him to get cut, and then we will immediately sign him, and we'll work on a deal, incentivize it, and make it worth everyone's while. If then, if you're Don, do you work with the Niners and let them know, like, hey, listen. And if you're the Niners, you just just get them there, whatever. It's not the end of the world. And just you know he's somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, not in L.A., yeah. Yeah. Maybe, but at the same time, if the Browns are in that position, then they should be if like all of a sudden the Browns would then have an incentive to trade for him because what they wouldn't want is Jimmy to be a free agent when the Rams have a need. Or like what if their division rival the Steelers got him? Yeah, all of a sudden there's a market. <laughs> Where did this come from? Well, right. This is if, what if they've if been waiting on. A couple things happen. Somebody said trade trade Jimmy for a first. But the Steelers would be a 2024 for the Rams. Don't the Rams 23 first is belongs to the Lions. The thing with the Steel, unlike the Browns, I mean, technically, I, I would imagine they'd make him mess with the salary a little bit. Yeah. But they have the space, right? That's their thing. Yeah. The Steelers, I'm pretty sure 100% aren't even close. They have 13 or $14 million in space, the Steelers. You're right. Jimmy, 12, I think Jimmy 12, would 8. take $14 million to play for the or 13 or whatever. 12. Steelers got 12. The Steelers. Yeah. To be the Steelers quarterback. Like, would he just take, like, a base of 10, and then I'll incentivize you another 12 or whatever? To be the That's, Steelers that, quarterback. The, the Browns do have the pitch of, like, hey, we'll give you a, a compens- We'll give you a seventh. They can go up to a fifth. We'll just take on the salary. I mean, they have... Okay, they, how do they have $48 million of cap space? Well, the quarterback cost a million dollars this year, so there's part of it. Guy, they have... Well, they have a, how much than, is Amari making? They have more than double. It makes 20. They have more than double the next team, which is the Raiders. 22. They have $48 million of space. That's crazy. That is incredible. I, I would imagine that changes immediately next year because of uh, his salaries, whatever, $46 million. That's where I think we, you and I talked about this. His incentive is... Like you can't risk playing this year and then losing the forty five next year. You eventually just wave the white flag if you realize right. like it's it's not worth putting next year to risk. You did a contract expecting to be suspended this year. Yeah. Plus, don't you always, as just people that have been punished in our life by parents, you just want to get the punishment out of the way, right? Uh, you wouldn't yeah. want to like yeah. even if let's say the money was equal if you were to Sean. And you just knew no matter what, you're going to get a year. Would you take the year this year and play next year and just keep, continue your career? Or yes. would you play this year and then miss another year and then basically just play one year and three years? It doesn't make any sense. Right. No. And if you're the Browns, I think you just want to get it out of the way. I mean, clearly the way they set up the contract. I kind of expect. If I had to put money on it, I would say we got a Jimmy destination within 10 days. I'd be a little surprised. Go with like, them to Minnesota, you think, if he's still on the team? Uh, well, I bet they leave like some injured guys here. You know, he probably just stays here. I I would doubt it. Yeah, I bet they would if if they were practicing against the Browns. Would they bring him? 
No, there's an idea. Just like really game plan a couple drives, like really game plan. He just slices and dices them. Until someone breaks his foot, and then you got to eat the $25 million. <laughs> it's funny, you know, we, I do it, you do it, everyone does it. Constantly throws out like a different number, even though it's like 26 or whatever the specific number is. Yeah. We just change the millions, like a million dollars in a lot. 27, like our difference isn't like every eye for that, like extra little chunk. <laughs> Meanwhile, like we play golf together and, Jimmy. I, and I Venmo you. I'm like, was that, was it, is it $97 and 50 cents? Is that what I owe you down to the 50 cents? But when it's somebody else's millions, you're just rounding 2 million off and 2 million up. What did I see? Oh, I was talking, were we talking about this? Or maybe I was talking to somebody else about like UCLA. They're going from whatever the TV deal for the Pac-12 would have been if them and USC were still in the Pac-12. But let's say minimum $40 million. I think it was probably going to be more, but let's say 40 To the Big Ten where it's going to be maybe you know 80 to 100. So let's say 100 just to make the number big. That's $60 million difference. UCLA's annual budget, UCLA's university budget in uh, in 2021 was 92 Billion, but now I'm saying that out loud. That can't be right. Yeah, it was 9.2 billion. That was UCLA's budget in 2021 as an institution. Billion? Now I said out loud, I got a billion. Yeah, 9.2 billion. That's what their budget was. Like, I know. How does that make any sense? Just every, I don't know. Just think of every little thing that happens at all the land, all the buildings, all the people, all the healthcare. You have to admit, that sounds like an outrageous amount of money. It is now, but I had heard it. John Wilner wrote something about it like a few weeks ago, and then I looked it up yesterday. I'm like, yeah, that's 9.2 billion. So, really, because that's the argument some people make is like, you guys are switching leagues for 40 million. Your budget's 9.2 billion. Like, it's a drop in the bucket. But some, I think the point that some people have made is that really, presidents, for all the, for those of us in sports, we spend so much time talking about sports. The presidents, all they want is to not have to worry, some of them, is to not have to worry about their athletics department. They don't have to give the athletics department any loans from the main institution, right? Because that was one of the stories. It's like the athletics department's $100 million in debt, which the institution could eliminate that debt with a snap of a finger. So, so the so the a school like UCLA views it like the A's owner views his team. Like, I'm not giving you my extra money to pay for this. Inside yeah. this entity, everything yeah. needs to pay for it. If we can make a profit, great. If we lose money, that's this thing's problem. That's your problem. I just don't want to have to think about it. I don't want it to come up in budget meetings. Wasn't it, isn't it always the argument in the endowments? Like, well, your endowment is $78 billion and you're, you know, you're cutting wrestling. Well, it's like that, the endowment, we do never take any, not a penny from there and put it in the athletic entity. And that's happened at universities forever, right? Even well, Fresno you know State. Stanford's is almost $30 billion is Stanford's endowment. But isn't Fresno State probably a good example when they cut wrestling? I think when you were in school, right? Then they cut the wrestling yeah. program right yeah. before. Yeah, I would imagine they have a fund nowhere near that. But if they needed an extra $20 million, they could come out. But, they, but you never do. And the president's like, we don't touch that. Yeah. Like any family, like if like you were totally screwed, you'd be like, well, listen, I don't ever touch the savings, but I'll grab 10,000 from this to do something. And the for whatever reason, schools, well, when I say school, like the SEC, is it all kind of, let's do whatever it takes. I just think they have, they have more money. Their athletics department has more money. Yeah, they generate more through boosters. Sean on the stream. Have you guys already talked about yesterday's game? No, but I'm glad you asked, Sean. 
John was about to do uh, his five takes in two minute big breakdown of uh, yeah. Raiders we're we're gonna stop this stream and then we'll come back on and it'll be in depth breakdown. You did actually have a good observation about Josh Jacobs, though. Pretty crazy to see him just. Did he start at running back for the Raiders? I mean, he better have started. started. I mean, he got like fifteen carries. <laughs> I don't think is it really that weird when you don't pick up his fifth year option, like because Derek Popple was like, "What if he tweeted at me?" Because I was like, "Well, the writing's on the wall. They're showcasing him clearly." He's like, "What if they're just trying to make him earn it?" It's like the moment he declined his fifth year option, he was a dead man walking. Whether it's this season, whether it's training camp, whether it's the trade deadline, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know that he's just not going to be a Raider long? Well, Josh McDaniel said, "John, you you like to get." What, what was his quote? It was like, uh, you like to get running backs going in the preseason or something like that, which I'd never heard that one before. I don't think he likes them for whatever reason, which is the nature of any new coach, right? They don't like certain players for a scheme, for his money. I, you know, there, there's, it might not be anything personal, just as a business quote. I always think it's good for backs to carry the ball in the preseason. There's a lot of things that happen when you get tackled, uh, that you can't simulate in practice. I, I could also see that like them showcasing them, not getting any offers that are worth, like you wouldn't just give them away for like a fourth, you know, they wouldn't get a fourth, but like a six round pick. You just use them, run them into the ground. John on the stream says hall of fame players play in hall of fame games. That's a good one. I was thinking, cause Lee Mayock, is like uh, the Fox Sports Booker. So whenever I go on Gottlieb show, like the day before, she always texts me and asks me what time works or whatever. I was actually thinking about her dad because we had tried to get him on the show in the spring and I had emailed him and he said, email me back in a couple months. And I was like thinking, you know, I think he'd be a pretty good, even if just talking NFL stuff. And we didn't even have to talk like what happened with Mark Davis. But you had texted me back last night when about Jacobs playing, like their draft history, top high end, I mean, the, the, the main two picks of the Mac trade, the main two picks were uh, Josh Jacobs and Damon Arnett. Those were like the two first rounders. Jacobs not getting his fifth year, even though he's, he's a legitimate NFL player. Like he's started on every team, probably not, but he's, he's a, in the two deep for every NFL team. And the other guy's in, currently in jail. But what it's, they don't even hesitate. They don't pick up the option. Like that's that's a rough that's a rough deal. Because the other thing is like, well, I get in these arguments sometimes with people on on Twitter, Raider fans. They're like, well, it's, the, the trade's a wash. The Bears didn't win. The Raiders didn't win. I'm like, well, they went to the playoffs twice. You went once. And they're like, well, they didn't show everything to show. Okay, here's the difference though. The Bears then flipped Khalil Mack, who is making a ton of money, injured for a second round pick. So the value of that individual relative to everything you got beside the quote-unquote cap space, and let's face it, historically, the Raiders weren't crushing it in Gruden's days free agent-wise. Khalil's value is infinitely higher than everything they got for, right? Yeah, when you have that, I'll talk like, you know, like, when you have that asset, you should get more out of having that asset than what they got out of having. But look what Khalil was worth four years later, yeah, coming off a major injury. Was worth the second. Part of it might be that what if it's that they and Killer Demo says Mayock drafted Colton Miller and Max Crosby and Renfro. 
Those are really good picks. They, they, um, actually, the kickers, Carlson's pretty good too. Yeah, you know, they just extended him. Uh, part of what if it's like they kind of like Josh Jacobs, although this would not explain them playing him yesterday, but they just don't want to pay him eight million dollars, like the fifth year, like that's we're not paying a guy that fifth year option number, right? Which is probably yeah. Like we we like him as a three million dollar player. We'll just let it play out, and maybe we can bring him back or something. But then why would they play him in the preseason? That's that doesn't quite pencil. It's just a situation to monitor. Like Stafford, I I, th- I have this thought every day when we go to practice and see the kicker Robbie. And then whenever I see a headline like Steelers extend Boswell four years, 20 million Carlson gets money. Do they tell their friends? Like, I don't think you guys realize, obviously I have a lot of pressure during games. As long as I hit kicks, I have the best job in the world. The best. I I get paid $5 million. I don't really do that much all week long. Now there is pressure when I come in to miss kicks. And when I miss them, when the game's on the line, it's, it gets talked about. But as long as I'm consistently hitting them, which it feels like the Boswells, Carlson, Tucker, you know, Robbie, as long as you do that, how many better jobs in America are there? Like, Because one thing you'd be like, well, what about the star players? Well, yeah, I mean, at any moment, Trent Williams could get his leg shattered, someone falling into him. Like, those guys are never going to get hurt, and they don't do shit beside a couple kicks throughout the week. They just kind of stand there. It's why, honestly, McAfee's talked about it. Like, he literally was a Pro Bowl punter, and he quit because part of it, he was bored. He's like, I just, it was just, I had all these thoughts in my head. I just, it's boring. It's honestly understandable, right? You would get bored quick. Uh, You could could get bored fast. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie does get bored. He just, I just got to keep talking to Al Guido on the sideline. (laughs) Uh, Sean on the stream says uh, Mayock didn't draft Colton Miller. Gruden and Reggie did. That's right. True. Colton Miller was in the 2018 draft, and Mayock did not um, come on board until the af- basically after the 2018 season. So, because a kicker is a kicker a better life if you're making six million dollars. Kicker star. Is it a better life than the reliever? Same level, like. All-star level reliever, same money. What's the better life? Um, you know, if you're both, if you're both like lights out, yeah. You, you, what Robbie Gold's been game winners, Green Bay second round, or you're like this because I bet a sweet closer makes a little more than like the top kicker, right? Closer would make like fifteen. But let's say you're like the the sweet eighth guy for the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, whatever, and you're you're lights out. People cheer a lot more for you if you're that guy. And you're coming in doing like alpha shit, you know, strikeouts and high fives, and you get more action doing that, you know. So there is that. Now, in terms of just like the big, your whole 365 days out of the year, quality of life, without question, it's kicker. Because I think baseball reliever, you're just, you know, oh yeah, I pitch the. You just, I know you sit around a lot in a football game, but you score, you kick. You, baseball, you are. It's. You're just in the clubhouse, three hours. You're just sitting there. Better go get warmed up. It's the sixth in case they need me. You know, that's, that like, is that is a test of, of uh, patience and focus. Like Mariano just consistently had more pressure on him to be working ready for the game than Vinatieri, right? Because Vinatieri just had 16 games a year. Mo, what do you think? 100 to 120 games a year? He just kind of had to be like, I could easily go in. Right. There are some nights he knows. Yeah, because you don't pitch. You'll, pitch, you'll pitch in, I don't know, 60 or 
60, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. 70. Um, yeah, every day you do your pre-work, but you may every not day. pitch today. Yeah. Football is like, I'm a kicker. I'm playing today. I am today. I play the other days. I don't play, but Vinatieri might know like Thursday game week. This is my off day. I don't really have to do anything. Exactly. I've already got Monday, Tuesday off besides like a lift or a cardio. Uh, kicker is pretty is easy. Kicker, guy. You just, yeah, it's just rare that you're the guy that makes all the kicks and your life, you know, cause I think the thing that sucks is if you miss a couple, you do not get, there's no the like high, come back I the, tomorrow. I did, the, I did the high end guys. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. <laughs> And you can go from the high-end guy. I guess it happens with relievers, too. You lose your stuff a little bit. You start not being as good. Happens more with kickers, for sure. Right? Like, a kicker can be like, God, oh, this guy had a really good couple years, and then he starts sucking. More likely, if you're like an all-star reliever, you just you sustain a little longer. I, guess I do think being like Justin Tucker would just be... You can plan your whole 365-day schedule, you know? Like, yep, I'll be free that Monday. Yep, you guys can come by the house on Friday. Yep, I'm good for golf on Saturday. Yeah. The high, there is no high in baseball during the regular season for a closer as there would be for a kicker, the walk-off kick to win a game, right? As a closer, you close the game, you get your high fives. If I'm a kicker and I I have a game winner 46-yarder week six, I'm getting fucking mobbed, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the, where the closer walkout is like, have you seen the, all the Ed, Edwin Diaz videos? Yeah. They start playing the flute or whatever, whatever that song is. Yeah. It's called, I think the song is called, I saw somebody says called like Narcos. Cause I saw some guy tweet today. Uh, my, my fiance says 1400 likes and we can play it at our wedding. <laughs> you know, like one of those. <laughs> uh, so is that that really fat guy that works at Barstool? That's always wearing the Mets gear. Uh, no, it's not uh, Fleming. <laughs> Frank Fleming. It's not Frank I, li- Fleming. I like Big. I like Big Frank. He makes me laugh. How did we miss Pop and Lund were there today? They must have been like in a room getting ready for their show. Well, th- their show was on when practice was going on, right? Isn't there? Don't they have a seven-hour show during the day? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I guess you're right. They probably go on at ten. Ten to two, I think. Papa dropped. Uh, I talked to Kyle on the field, so maybe Papa snuck out there. Man, did not see him. Anyway, anything else to add? Uh, practice on Sunday. We're going to practice on Sunday. So we will be actually around, you know, one thirty or so Sunday. Traffic shouldn't be bad. Oh. Uh, knock on wood. We'll be uh, live stream Sunday after nine of practice. And uh, obviously any other NFL news, we got this. Share it with your friends. This YouTube. Smash, it's smash the like. like. Smash that, smash that like. And uh, the podcast five star review. We appreciate if you if you do that on Apple Podcasts. Some people, somebody DM me today said, "How do I do that?" That's how you do it. Send us pictures of um, Friday night. And, have yourself a Tito's. You and Tito's Friday night. Have yourself a Tito's. Uh, Jalen Moore suffered lower leg strain for the Niners. Back up alignment. We, we didn't, dis- we didn't uh, discuss that. Who played last year in key spots? So yeah, good, good, good backup. That's why Forrester gets seven figures. Keep developing. All right. On that note, anything else? Have a weekend. Thanks for hanging, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.